This is episode 145 with Dr. Anna Rubenstein. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. legends if you see the world from a paradigm of understanding that respecting and learning from elders is empowering and necessary in human evolution you're going to freaking love this episode actually even if you don't have this belief for every single person listening to this episode if you don't get a ton of value from this one please let me know because i would be intrigued to hear why This is another episode of me bringing on former guests to hear their challenges, beliefs and visions of these interesting COVID-19 times to help us all think differently and thrive. And as you'll hear in this episode, it's not necessarily about thriving right now in the middle of this crisis, especially if you're heavily affected by it, but definitely about how you can thrive on the other side of these global changes and challenges. Dr. Anna Rubenstein first blew our minds in episode 116 of this podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, I highly recommend you do it. Go back, blow your mind, get a ton of value from him there, and then come back and listen to this one. Or listen to this one first and then go back. Whatever floats your boat, just go do yourself a favor and listen to that one. You know what? Even if you have listened to it and you're kind of like, oh yeah, I think I remember that one, listen to it again. I've listened to it about three or four times myself. Love it. Ton of value. Super awesome dude. So as a reminder, Dr. Rana is an expert on rights of passage and adolescent development with 30 years experience as a medical doctor, counsellor, mentor, speaker, and workshop facilitator. He has an extensive knowledge of adolescent behavior, parenting, rites of passage, corporate leadership, and personal transformation. The programs and seminars he's helped to develop have been attended by over 100,000 people globally and are designed to support boys and girls to successfully make a safe, healthy transition to adulthood with a particular focus on creating coming-of-age rites of passage. Arna has also created residential leadership trainings aimed at equipping participants with the knowledge, skills, and tools to begin to build and deliver transformational rites of passage programs. This training is ideal for teachers, corporate leaders, mentors, coaches, social workers, parents, or anyone wanting to create and deliver truly transformative programs for people with their organizations or wider community. In this episode, we discuss the most common challenges that kids and families are facing during the COVID period and why they highlight the importance that rites of passage are needing to become mainstream again. We discuss Arna's greatest personal challenges and how he's working on them why he believes this period of time is the greatest opportunity for everyone to better themselves, why the greatest challenge will not be to go back to old disempowering habits and behaviours when rules and laws ease during this COVID period. Arna expresses why he doesn't believe the challenging times is when we should be thriving and that it's the next stage that should be the thriving aspect of our lives. I really loved unpacking this with him. We chat about the opportunity every one of you have to be part of the Rites of Passage online community and the abundance of value you can gain from there as part of that online community and grow from during these challenging times and beyond. And we discuss plenty of other valuable and empowering topics. Honestly, I could speak for the whole hour on just how much value this bloke has to offer, 
But instead, let's just hear from the legend himself, Dr. Anna Rubenstein. Dr. Anna, welcome back to Your Life of Impact. Very happy to be here, Brett. Very happy. It was a bit over a year ago, actually, I had you on the podcast. I remember it was late 20, sorry, late February 2019 because I was about to, not far off being a, a new dad going back to Sweden. I came up to the property and, and interviewed you up there. And then four weeks after the bub was born, I was back in Australia and I did your level one leadership training in early June uh, as a new father. And I've got to say that that experience in itself was amazing up at your brilliant facilities up there, the vibe, the framework was great, the context and the content within that program is just brilliant and here we are a bit over a year later after first meeting. So what a year it's been. How are you? Well, yes, I agree. It's been a big year. There's an awful lot's happened and, you know, the the how are you question at the moment is very complex. Says, you know, we're in lockdown. Uh, I am... I feel like, you know, there's all these cha- uh, um, challenges and opportunities that are completely entwined. You know, I describe them at the moment as bedfellows, you know, like, so great opportunity to spend a couple of months here on my property because I travel so much normally and I'm just loving that. And yet at the same time, I've got no business because all my work sort of evaporated um, basically, you know, with the lockdown. So I've had to look at how I can recreate that. I've had my partner who I've wanted to live with. We've wanted to be together for years. Uh, She's been up here with her children, uh, uh, two young men. So that's a great opportunity. And she's been up here with her children. And that's a great challenge. And, you know, I'm enjoying the the fresh air and, and, you know, doing my own thing and being able to train and get fit and all of that. And I'm aware that there's a lot of suffering going on. A lot of people are doing it really hard economically and obviously health-wise. So, you know, big time. And the big thing for me, I think, is that we need to really look at the challenges that are coming up, see what the learning is, identify the opportunities. And the most important thing is that we don't waste this incredible period that we are all in. And I'm very keen to talk about that today. That's my check-in. What about you, Brett? Well, yeah, very similar sort of way. I always say that in every challenge, there's an opportunity. And beginning of March, we were hit quite hard financially, lost 80% of our income. So we went into that mode of, okay, zero stress, let's adapt and evolve. And my gorgeous wife and I created some online programs and collaborated and built out. We're really busy for a few weeks and then realized, let's just sit back and breathe. This is an opportunity that we'll never have given to us in this way of let's take this time and space. We, we aren't in a situation where we need to stress about making up for that income now. And I can tell you now the last few weeks since we took that time to breathe and we're taking this opportunity, it's been magical, connecting in ways that just not, I can't say deeper than we have before, but just more consistent. Like we're on holidays every day. We're still giving, we're still serving, we're still doing a bit of work, but we're actually our little tight-knit family now with our 13-month-old bub, we're just spending so much quality time together and it just deepens, sorry, it doesn't deepen, it just strengthens every day and it's beautiful. Yeah. Someone said to me uh, in the last couple of days, uh, it's a bit like Mother Nature has sent us all to our rooms and said, stay there and have a think about your life and what you're doing and and, and, and who you're with and, and how you're relating to your family and everything and eventually we'll let you out but go and just, you know, have some time out. Which exactly. is a really, you know, you know, amazing way of looking at it. You mentioned the word suffering there before and obviously challenges, you have your challenges. Are you experiencing any, any suffering personally? Uh, relatively speaking, no. So look, I don't have a, uh, my income has gone and like you, I've tried to reinvent and go online and, you know, done a little bit, but that's not really suffering. And, and I'm certainly not unhealthy and, and none of my direct relatives, uh, have been badly affected. They could have been my parents who are 89 and 90 are in lockdown, um, in Melbourne, but 
you know, I think Australia's managed it very well. So I couldn't say that I'm experienced suffering, but I've definitely had challenges. And they didn't come in the way I expected. And I love hearing in your check-in how your initial response was to, right, we're going to modify, we're going to do online, we're going to be, you know, we're going to replace all of that lost income. And I don't actually believe that is the goal of this period. It's not about trying to maintain what it was before. It's actually about trying, for me, the aim should be to really embrace what is coming up right now, right in front of us. And that's where the big learning and opportunity really is. And for me, it's been around family. I live on my own, I put on my property. I basically do what I want. You know, I work hard, but I also go surfing and I, my place, I run it the way I want it and I keep my kitchen the way I want it and my fridge and I have my chair where I sit and have my coffee in the morning in the sunshine and all of that. And then all of a sudden I've got, you know, my partner here and, a, and her 29-year-old son and 16-year-old son and I've also got my son who's 28. Uh, I brought him up into the air with his girlfriend. So all of a sudden my whole place has been turned upside down. And my fridge is different and things are missing and I come out in the morning to have my coffee in my favourite chair and someone else is sitting in it and, you know, all these ridiculously silly things. But, you know, uh, interestingly, I have found that challenging. You know, there's breakfast dishes still sitting on the sink at dinner time and, um, you know, and in the first period of the, of the lockdown, I got quite stressed by that and tried to tell people what to do and, you know, the whole family labelled me as a grumpy authoritarian. <laughs> and then in the last few weeks when I've really let go of it and gone, okay, yes, my house is a mess, relatively speaking, but look at all the fun stuff that's going on and the love and the, and the, and the intimacy and the sharings. And I've had conversations with my 28-year-old son that, you know, we've needed to have for 15 years and so that's been my real challenge is to let go of things being the way I think and want them to be and actually embrace what is and then to find the real gift and opportunity in that. On that note, a bit around the theme of thriving, do you believe that we all humans can thrive in some elements in these challenging times, regardless of what's happening happening externally and not just aim to survive? And if yes, how do you yeah. see that? And if no, what's your thoughts around that? Great. So I have a slightly different interpretation of it, which is that I believe that this is a rite of passage and mm. this is a global rites of passage. And, and, you know, obviously my interest and specialty is in rites of passage and, and, and a rite of passage is an opportunity to transform from one stage in life to the next. And because you've done my training, you'll know that I talk about there are three stages of a rite of passage. And the first is a separation from our normal everyday life, which we've done. We're not going to work in the same way. We're not going to restaurants, theatres, beaches, gatherings, friends, so all of that. We're separated from our normal life. That's the first stage. The second stage is to go into a container and go through a transformation. And for many of us, our container is our homes and our immediate circle. Um, and I'll talk about the transformation in a moment. And then the third stage is when we reintegrate and we come back into the community, but we're different. And in this case, the community will be different. So the first thing I want to say straight up is, I don't think it's about trying to go back to normal. That would be a complete waste of what's happened. It's about going back to something different and, and hopefully going back better. But to your question as to whether we thrive, this second stage of the rite of passage, which is when we're in a container and when we transform, can actually be incredibly challenging and unpleasant on every level. It's not actually supposed to necessarily be a beautiful, lovey-dovey experience. In fact, some of my mentors, one of them in particular, Robert Moore, called it the equivalent of a psycho-spiritual death. Quite a strong word. A psycho-spiritual death. So something in our psyche and our spirit 
dies in this period so that something new can be reborn. And so actually the transformational stage of a rite of passage can be the most difficult challenge and ordeal we've ever faced. You know, for example, um, when, when, a, when a woman gives birth, you know, that, for most women I've spoken to, have told me that that is the most difficult, challenging, unbelievable, life-changing ordeal of their lives. And yet, and something, there is a level of psycho-spiritual death that happens there. But on the other side of that, there's a baby and there's motherhood and there's all of that. And so absolutely something new is born. And, you know, when we, you know, when a, when a, when a re close relative dies or one of our parents die, that's incredibly challenging. But on the other side of that, we actually move to a new stage in our lives. So in terms of thriving in this stage, I don't think the goal is to actually thrive in this stage. I think the goal is to fully try and be present and even submit to this stage. The opportunity to thrive comes after this stage when we go back and reintegrate into community in a new way. And I would much, I'll just say it, I would much rather see people suffer and have a hard time during this couple of months of lockdown and then go out and have learnt their lessons and thrive and do well than see people going, oh, yeah, the lockdown's fine, no problems, I'm really enjoying it, everything's cool and dandy, and then they go out afterwards when they reintegrate and nothing's changed. That, I believe, will lead to real suffering. You know, if we don't learn and grow from these experiences that are put in front of us, that is the perfect re recipe for long-term suffering. I love how you How's that, that for a, um, I think that's yeah. brilliant because <laughs> the thing about thriving too is it means different things to different people and, and I think the context of thriving, people might be thinking it means you have to be at your absolute best and the happiest you've ever been, the most joyful, whereas for me, the opportunity to thrive here is talking about exactly going back inside, doing the work, understanding yourself better than ever before, um, making different choices and decisions, learning about yourself, embracing those challenges, facing that, those stressful times and actually working through them as opposed to putting them off. So in terms of what you were saying yeah, there about it being just right. on that. Yeah, sorry, go. Just want to say one thing on that. You know, personal development in my experience is not pleasant. <laughs> you know, this is just me. I've done a Vipassana, a 10-day Vipassana course. I've done the path of love. I've done all sorts of different things. And my most common saying at the end of these events is that, wow, that is one of the best things I've ever done in my life and I hope I never have to do it again because it was so hard and unpleasant. But yet I know the growth is incredible. You know, and I'm working on our land, on my land at the moment, and we're pruning trees. And, and if you think about that as a metaphor, you come up to a tree and you cut off its arms or part of its arms, but as a result of that, you give it the opportunity to thrive. If you don't, it'll actually grow, you know, and become, could well become sick because it can't, you know, for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, it's actually healthy for the tree to be pruned. Maybe that's an analogy for us. We need to periodically get pruned <laughs> so that we can thrive. In terms of what you talked about it with this period of time being like a rite of passage and me having done your leadership training and followed your work for a long time, a big part of the way that you teach it and when you put on these in-person rites of passage is the, that middle phase when we're in the container, it's about that that support. So there's always challenge involved within that, but there's also the support. So at the moment, people have been taken away from their normal environments. They're in the container of their home and they're being challenged within that. How are you now supporting people through in their, in their containers to, to, to help them as much as you can come out and be different and come out into that environment and, and be that better, better version? 
How have you adapted great. with the Rites uh, of Passage Institute? Okay, great question. So should I move, by the way, to a slightly quieter spot? Can you hear the truck in the background or the vehicle? Can't, can't hear it at all. There is good. Okay, great. Okay, going. Okay, so in terms of how we support people, I believe if people understand the process of a rite of passage, that will actually create a lot of support because then they can actually know what's happening and know that things are sort of okay, so to speak, and going to plan. Like if I know that there's supposed to be a challenge, I can deal with the challenge a lot better than if I don't expect it and don't, you know, don't know that it's going to happen. But I look at the stages of a rite of passage and then what, what is supposed to happen in this second stage. And the way I'm supporting people is by trying to ensure that the things that are supposed to happen do happen. So in the second stage, which is a transformation, one of the things is that ideally you build community so that you're supported through that stage. And one of the best ways of building community is through sharing stories and having check-ins. So we're supporting people to share their stories with each other and we've been teaching people how to create a check-in. And included in that is I've actually created an online parents and children growing together e-course, which parents and children can do at home and it covers these things. So the first element is sharing stories and doing check-ins. The second that's always in the transformation stage of a rite of passage is that there's always a challenge or an ordeal. Now, if we can look at the challenge and go, all right, yes, this is a challenge, but what's the opportunity or what's the learning or what's the growth? Then we can transform a challenge into something very different, which is a growth opportunity. So that's the second thing. The, the third thing that always happens within the transformational state of, stage of a rite of passage um, is the recognition of the gifts and talents and the spirit of each person who's in the transformational stage, which is basically a, a process of, you know, recognizing in each person what is the, what, what are the things we love about them? What are the things we're proud of? What are, the, what are the beautiful things we see and the gifts that we see in that person? And, and we can all do that. And then the fourth stage of a rite of passage is the creation of a vision for the future. So spending time thinking about, you know, how do we want to be when we do go back into community? And, and what do I need to leave behind in this transformational stage, in this, tra in this container? What do I want to leave behind? And what do I want to take with me going forwards? And if we can support people to do those things, build community, share stories, embrace their challenges, recognize and, and, and acknowledge the other people in their community and create a vision for the future. If we do that, then this period actually becomes an unbelievable growth opportunity. Um, you know, and, and one of my fundamental beliefs in life is that life is a series of transformations and it's like a step, it's like a staircase and, and each transformation takes us another step up the staircase and we will all transform during this period. The world will transform and we will transform. The question is whether we, the transformation we go through will be a healthy one where we step up the staircase and become better, more connected people who are more um, clear on what our path is and what our passion is, or whether this is a traumatic event which transforms us in, a, in an unhealthy way and, you know, creates problems and issues that we have to spend the next period of time trying to work through. Part of what I did in your program that I work on a lot with people and have done a lot of work on myself is around beliefs. Is this still a part of the way that you're doing things online now to help people shift? Because what I'm hearing from people, not that I engage with many people outside of my communities, but people, uh, their belief systems are really challenged at the moment. And, and yeah. I think it's great. It's giving them a bit of a shake up to realize your belief systems are never rigid. 
we should always be looking at them. Where did they come from? How did they evolve? Are they helping us or hindering us? Are you, are you doing work around people's belief systems through these programs of the rite of passage online? Yeah, look, I think you have to, and, and it's so interesting what you say about our belief systems being challenged. And um, a lot of people are talking to me about the children. And, you know, imagine the, the challenge to our children at the moment who most of them will have grown up believing that everything's good and everything's stable and will stay that way and mum and dad have sort of got things under control Whatever. And all of a sudden they're seeing all over the news and through the actions, we have to stay home because there's a danger out there. And we're not we're no longer certain about the future of even humanity. And this may be just the first of many things that could happen. So, you know, their whole sense of security and their whole sense of permanence and their whole sense of how the world is is being challenged. And, and same for all of us. You know, anybody, you know, under probably 75, 80 years of age hasn't lived through a world war, hasn't lived through a global pandemic. And, and all of a sudden what we're realising is, oh, our belief that we could go on just taking and taking and thinking that there'll be unlimited resources and polluting as much as we want and growing the economy without any real recognition of the other things that were happening and it'll be okay, all of a sudden a lot of people are going, well, maybe it's actually not going to be okay. You know, maybe this is actually the beginning of a whole um, radical change in our lives that may not be for the better from a feeling point of view. You know, we may never be able to travel in the way that we did. International travel could be almost a thing of the past. And, um, you know, just we, no one knows what the world's going to look like in six, 12 months. Whereas yeah. three months ago, people thought they did know what the world was going to look like in six, 12 months. That's been a big challenge for, for me and my wife, actually, when you talk about the travel aspect. She's from Sweden. Our son was born in Sweden and our belief has been we can go to Sweden whenever we want to. We can go there yeah. at the drop of a hat. We can save. We can go. We can say, all right, let's go there in a month. We've set ourselves up. Or we can do online work. We can do that. Now, all of a sudden, whoa, she's separated from her family. We're separated from that part of our lives and our belief is now that it's not actually that easy and it's not going to be that easy so it's it's a bit challenging uh, emotionally in that way and relationally in that way so what and I mean it's I feel like it's easy for us to process because we are older and we've only got a one-year-old son what are the challenges the most common challenges that you're hearing from your community with with from the parents and the, the kids that are old enough to process this and and make their own decisions and choices around it so i'm probably thinking i don't know early teens uh or you know from 10 and into early teens is probably a pretty challenging age what are the what are the most common challenges that are being presented through your community yeah well it's interesting because it's probably not what you would initially have expected um but the most common challenge i'm hearing is that Parents and teens are locked up together in a house, you know, multiple people in a small space, unable to escape. And that, in the initial stages definitely of this lockdown, has been highly challenging, highly challenging, because in the past, everyone could just escape. Dad's off at work, mum does what she does, the kids are, you know, in their rooms or on the internet and everything like that. And now all of a sudden, people are having meals together every day. And, you know, people are, are, are genuinely living and having to communicate together. And that has been, I think the in Australia, the family environment has been the most challenging. I've heard, I've heard very few people say that their biggest challenge has been financial and not having work. 
I mean, I know that's happening for people. I do know it's happening, but in the main, and, and, and you know, a lot of the people I speak to haven't got work and their incomes have gone down 70, 80, 90%. But interestingly, to the people who I've communicated with, which is a lot online and through my networks, that has not been the issue that's come up. It's been much more about family and personal stuff. And, and is it that communication aspect, do you think, where they don't, don't know how to communicate with each other so well or so frequently or how to direct conversation in that growth way? Well, I think they've realised that they've become strangers to each other. Mm. I think they've realised that their worlds are so different and that instead of when I talk about the staircase of life and everybody's somewhere on the staircase and you start off as a baby and as you get older you move up the staircase step by step from a baby to a you know, teenager, a young adult, a grown-up, an elder. Along the way you might move into being a parent or a grandparent. You have different relationships. So in the ideal world we have an intergenerational collaboration which means all the people on the staircase are actually working together because every, every, every level has something to offer and certain needs and they can all help each other. The classical is the elders and the, and the, and the young and, and there's a huge importance in the connection between the elders and the young because the elders can pass on wisdom and knowledge to the young and the young will actually listen to the elders and the young give the elders energy and, you know, there's all these really, really massively healthy things about having the elders spend time with and basically look after the young. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if as well as that, when they do that, it gives the ones in the middle, the parents, the space to go off and do their thing. And what I think so many people have realised is that instead of having an intergenerational collaboration, we have intergenerational segregation so the kids do their own thing the teenagers do their thing the parents and the and the grown-ups do their thing and the elders do their thing and they're all in isolation and so when you put them all in together it's not surprising that for the first period of time they struggle because they're all living such different disconnected lives and I think that's brought up a lot of issues within families Kind of a lot of proof around because I know your, your mission, one of your missions in life is to make rites of passage mainstream again. And I think this really highlights the importance of making rites of passage mainstream again when you know that part of that intergenerational segregation actually exists and the power of when you can bring it in. And once again, doing your leadership program, I really, I just loved and really warmed to the way that you set it up where we have where we pay the respect to the elders that has kind of been lost yeah. in, in schooling systems, in society, in everything. I think the elder in my group most of the time was Digby. Is that, I think I've got yeah. the name right. He was someone that you, uh, you knew, but I, I actually spent a lot of time with him and love spending time with elders. And I actually got asked this question this morning on a podcast of, what, uh, you know, what's a part of you that people don't really know about that made you you? And I had to really think about it and I said, you know what, I think one of my best friends was uh, one of my greatest mentors and idols and was actually my grandfather. I spent a lot of quality time. I said, mm. I realised at a young age that if I could ask questions to old people, uh, that was the way my young mind put it, to old people and get advice and I could skip making some of those mistakes, then that makes sense to me. I still made some stupid mistakes, yeah. but it, it did make a lot of sense. <laughs> it did make some better decisions based on that. So, I, yeah, I just feel like that in a way this is really highlighting the importance and the absolute importance of rites of passage becoming mainstream again. Absolutely. You know, if we look at, if we talk about our elders, you know, if we created a rite of passage, a community-based rite of passage to really honour and acknowledge um, sort of so-called grown-ups when they moved into the elder stage, that would make such a difference. And, and, and what happens at the moment is we don't recognise uh, and respect our elders, so they've gone off on their own. 
and they're in their RVs traveling around this country or they're on the golf course or, you know, they're doing what they're doing with each other. But that is a big waste of what they actually have to offer the community. And, and, and like you said with your grandfather, uh, you know, who answered your questions and helped you not make mistakes, you know, who knows what may have happened to you if you hadn't had him. Your life could have been completely different and could have been disastrous. And sometimes it can be one thing that they say that changes your life. And if we could get every young, you know, boy and girl able to ask questions to a grandparent who was there for them, that would create a very strong um, impact on their lives. And, you know, it's not, it's not for no reason that in traditional communities, and in fact, in a lot of the Asian communities, the grandparents bring up the kids. You know, there's this saying that grandparents and grandchildren have a special bond because they have a common enemy. And, <laughs> you know, when you can get the parents out of the way and let the grandparents and the grandchildren hang out together, magic happens. Um, and, and that's just one example of the intergenerational collaboration that can go on. Um, and we're losing all of that. So what we've got at the moment is everybody wants to work it out themselves. Oh, don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't show, you know, don't just, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll work it out. I'll make my own mistakes and I'll learn from making my own mistakes. Now, of course, there's some legitimacy in that, but also if we can, you know, listen to stories, which is very different from being told what to do and how to live. You know, one of the things I absolutely know about teenagers or anyone, myself included, we generally speaking don't want to be told what to do or how to be. But stories are a whole different thing because when we listen to a story, we take the messages that are contained within that story and we learn from them. And whether this is a story or not in the way that you want to answer it, and maybe you have already answered it, do you have any beliefs about why we're experiencing this global challenge, this global crisis, this global pandemic, whatever you want to call it, why we're experiencing it as a global thing all at once. Do you have any beliefs around that? Um, I do, as it happens, and they're multiple. I actually like the one I mentioned earlier, that Mother Nature's sending us to our room to think about things. Um, but I also think that we couldn't, on one level, not be having it. And whether it comes through a pandemic or a, uh, a, an economic meltdown, or a nuclear war, or some, a natural disaster, I just think something has had to happen. Something has to give. Like the way we've been treating each other, ourselves, the way we've been treating ourselves, the way we've been treating each other, and with the way we've been treating the world and nature and the systems that we've set up, in my opinion, is completely unsustainable and actually completely crazy in many ways. I look at so many things that we do and I go, oh, my God, we are doing exactly the opposite to what we should be doing. And something had to give at some stage. And in this moment, this is what's happened. But I'm actually not convinced this is the last, you know, crisis we're going to go through in this period. Um, this may actually just be the first of an ongoing series of crises. And, and I really believe that if we don't wake up, you know, and different people will have very different definitions as to what it means to wake up, but unless we actually do something and start having more respect uh, for ourselves, our communities, our families and the world, we've got a problem. And, and relatively speaking, even though... Yes, there have been, not sure exactly how many people, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died, which is a terrible thing. But if we don't really learn and grow from this episode, I believe there'll be something else which will be worse. Mm. And, you know, I have a personal belief that once you're made aware of something, if you don't take notice and act appropriately, 
then you can't actually, um, you don't know what level the consequences are going to be. So if this pandemic has made a large number of people aware of the fact that there's a problem happening in the world, if we then ignore that, then the next round of what happens, we have no say over the severity of that. And we could tip into a situation where millions and millions or a high percentage of the population dies. We don't know. But I don't believe we get unlimited opportunities to turn things around. And we do have one at the moment, but you know, my big worry is that we're not gonna get the lessons that we need to get. And, and as an interesting note, note as, and I'm interested, I'm interested whether you've noticed this, Brett, and other people who are listening, how incredible has the sky been and the stars? And, the, and if you see Venus setting in the west where the sun sets, if you look up just on sunset, you'll see Venus just, you know, where the sun's been setting and how incredibly bright it is and how it's way brighter than it ever normally is because right now the air quality is probably the best it's been for 30, 40 years because there's so much less pollution, so many fewer cars, industry, all of that. And when we compare when we had the smoke in December, January from the fires and how terrible the air quality is, and we, go, and we look now with the less pollution and just how incredibly clear it is, you know, if we don't take notice, there's a real risk that we go back to where we were during the fires and that may become the normal. Speaking of the fires, how close did they come to your property in the Byron Bay hinterland? You guys must have been pretty fearful. About three kilometres. Okay. Yes. They came to about three kilometres. They're on the ridge out the back of my place in December. And I remember we had an emergency meeting in Mullumbimby with the town and the local fire crews and, the, and everyone. And the next day was uh, predicted to be catastrophic. Uh, but fortunately, the winds blew, the, well, for me, the right direction and blew them south of here. But then they went, they went from here, you know, for 2,000 kilometres all down the coast, it got burnt. So basically we were just a couple of kilometres north of the most northern border for these fires. But the big thing I learned then and really realised is that the fires will come to my property one day. Mm. They will come. And whether it's this year or next year or five years, they will come. And I need to get organised. And now that I know that, if I don't take notice of that, it could well be a disaster. So I really, a very serious part of what I'm doing this year on my property is getting fire prepared. Maybe you just answered it, but I was, uh, no, actually. So you've been challenged by the fires recently. We're going through this, uh, this opportunity of a challenge right now. And like we've said that you believe that it's an opportunity for people to go through this rites of passage, which means that we come out of a rite of passage, hopefully different and better. What is it, what's the version of yourself that you see that's a little bit better coming on the other side, whether it's three, six, 12 months time, when, when, when we go back to relatively normal, where isolation is not a thing, where we can have your events again, how, what's, the, what's some key areas of your personal um, being that you vision yeah. to be different, better? Great. Thank you. So... The, just before I actually answer the question, we'll all come out different. The bigger challenge will be to hold on to that difference, by the way, and, and not get pulled back into old ways. So for me, there are a number of things. Uh, on a personal level, I've thought about work a lot and the absolute dominance of work in my life. And, and I'm very motivated and my work is around rites of passage and I want to be, it to be in the mainstream, but I've really seen how it comes at a cost and it comes at a cost to not only me personally, but also to my family and my children. And so one of my commitments is to uh, modify my work so that I'm at home more and I'm able to be with my children more and that I actually work less. So that's one of the things. And then 
very much to work smarter and to not just do every bit of work that comes my way because I can or because there's I can earn money doing it or whatever, but to really go, how can I um, take this opportunity to really review my work and present it in a different way? And so I've been doing some work with some people in a couple of places around the world about how I can present my work differently so that it can get to more people um, and support more people. So that's something I'm going to change. And I think also another really big thing that will change for me is to go to another level of just acceptance and gratitude for what is rather than how I've been brought up and how I've acted, which is to change and control things to how I want them to be Mm. and be frustrated when they're not. And there's quite a difference. And there'll be a lot of people in my world and close to me who will be very happy to hold me accountable to shift from controlling things to how I want them to be as opposed to what I want to do, which is to accept and have gratitude for how they are. And do you? And I'd like to put the question back on you, Brett. I'd like to put the question also back on you. How do you see yourself changing and what are you going to uh, attempt to hold on to when we go, when we reintegrate into the community? It's a very similar one to your talk about the work and the time aspect because what I have realised, I thought that we had set up life really well where I was at home quite a bit, spending good quality time with the family and, and I was really proud of that. And then all of a sudden in the last few weeks when I wasn't trying to just be very productive and make up for that loss of income and I've just succumbed and spent this quality time and realised, because part of my deeper mission is to enhance and optimise my grandparents' legacy by creating impact through what I believe is empowering myself, my community and and the world and realising that that can actually be done better and more sustainably if I'm not busy more often, if I'm not trying to do more to make more of an impact. So a big part of that is uh, interstate travel because being here with the quality time but also uh, supporting my wife more for her and, and her mission and the ability now for us to say, okay, I've got the morning, I'm off doing podcasting and my training and coaching at one o'clock, the rest of the day is yours and we're doing these kind of swaps. And then some days we're saying we're wiping out the day, we're not doing anything, this is just our quality time and just seeing how those dynamics really work. So I guess from a personal level, it's just the greater appreciation of not time itself However, the, the quality of what you do with that time. You know, it's funny I say to people, just be careful when you ask, uh, when you dream of freedom because when it's gifted to you, what are you going to do with that time? Because it'll just create more time for whatever it is, the habits that you already have. So if you don't have helpful and healthy habits and you've got destructive behaviors and destructive habits, guess what's going to happen more when you've gifted that time and that so-called freedom. So it's really allowed me to just understand the, the appreciation at this moment. And I, I really, I shouldn't say hope. However, I know that I'll go back doing more travel and more work in those ways. However, it will allow me to say no more often instead of yes, because it's an opportunity. Yes, where could this take me? And yes, for the money and yes, for the growth. Let's, let's check yes in with each ego. other. <laughs> for the ego, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we should check yeah. in with each other in uh, 18 months' time and see where, where we've gone with that. <laughs> Very happy to do it. Very happy. And I think actually part of what something that will support us to take these things forward is to share it with people. You know, we need to, this is the time to capture it while we're in it, to capture those things, to write them down, to draw them, to speak to people, to have it on public record. You know, all of those things actually help us to stay with these commitments that we're making. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I think that's an important point to that's an opportunity, right? So people might not be used to doing that and making the, these documented aspects, but it's an opportunity for that uh, integration aspect too. Sorry, I just had a little slight tangent that I wanted to go on. Last time I spoke to you on the podcast, I really wanted to hear you explain what liminal space was. And I feel like this yeah. can help people understand the opportunity in this uh, container space. Can you just briefly tell us in lightness of what liminal space is? Sure. Happy to, given the, how much I love liminal space. So liminal space is what we are in now. And it is the, the state of being when we are in the middle transformational stage of a rite of passage. And basically, we all have a set of beliefs in our subconscious that run our lives. So I have a belief around food. And if I go into a shop and there's healthy food on one side and junk food on the other side, I know which way I'll turn. There'll be other people who'll turn a different way. And I have my own beliefs around family and I have my own beliefs around work and I have my own beliefs around exercise and all sorts of things. And those beliefs, beliefs drive what I do every day. And we're basically, they're pretty locked in. They got in there somewhere, you know. Somewhere when I was a kid, someone told me some things about exercise and a few different things. They got into my psyche and they're locked in there and they, they stay in there for the rest of my life. However, under certain circumstances, those beliefs, which are in a box, they're in a box, I call it, in our head, which is kind of locked. So I've got a box full of beliefs and values that run my life. Under certain, under certain circumstances, that box opens and I can look inside it and I can take some of those beliefs out and new beliefs can come in. And that is called liminal space. And one of the ways that we know whether or not we're in liminal space is that time changes. So time either slows down or speeds up. And many people who I've spoken about this time of lockdown have told me, wow, I can't believe how long it's been here or time's gone really weird at the moment. It's really weird, like days just pass. And the other thing is we become very aware, our senses become hyper aware in liminal space. Um, and, and it is an opportunity to review what are the beliefs and things in our box and to change them. So one of the things that we've talked about in this uh, discussion, Brett, is our, our beliefs around work. And, you know, I've had this belief that I've got to work really hard to get to achieve what I want to achieve and I should take on any work that comes up and all the rest. As a result of being here in liminal space, I've been able to see that certain aspects of my work are unhealthy for me and for my family. And so I'm actually able to change that. And if I can take the first belief out and put the second one in, when I leave this period of lockdown and my, the box with all my beliefs closes again, hopefully it will now be closed with a belief in there that says, yes, good to work, but make sure you look after yourself and your family. And that is the opportunity for all of us to be able to review some of our key drivers, our key subconscious beliefs, even try and identify where they came from. You know, did it get put in there when I was a kid by my parents or a teacher at school or, you know, something like that and go, you know what, that's an old belief and I'm actually ready to move to a new belief and I'd like to let that one go and put in a new one. So it's in these periods that our box, our psyche is open and we can change things. And then when we reintegrate and go back into the community, those beliefs will be the one, the new set of beliefs or modified set of beliefs that'll drive a lot of the actions that we take. I want to share something that I found just recently that I wrote after being in liminal space in your program in June last year. So it was almost a, I, I documented a lot of different things one of the ways it started off was, wow, I didn't expect that. And then I, I sort of journaling to myself and then two of my key takeaways, and I said there were many, many more, but two of the key ones. 
One, active listening. So no responses, not even a head nod in the talking circles creates the ideal space and opportunity for people to explore their vulnerabilities and be brutally honest better than any strategies I've ever experienced. Well-curated trust and respect are key ingredients essential for this magic to occur. I said I was intrigued with my learnings of human behavior as I was holding the space for others better than I've ever done before and I was flooded with mental and emotional breakthroughs as I explored my vulnerability even deeper through these story circles. So that was one and then the second one based on what we've chatted about a lot in this one is uh, as much work as I've done on breaking through my limiting beliefs, those little suckers still linger deep in my subconscious mind and drive my emotions and behaviors, often without my awareness. It was freeing to once again identify my beliefs that I'm not good enough to fully see my life visions become reality, that they are purely just a story I've created in my mind, and the sole purpose of that story is to keep me comfortable, safe, and not fulfilled, to be honest. Goodbye, limiting belief. You're no longer present or welcome in my subconscious, although I'm fully aware you'll raise your intrusive head every time that I have an opportunity to leap, push my comfort zones and indulge in the abundance of growth, but I know how to squash you again and again and again. (laughs) Great. How fantastic. I love hearing that, Brett. I love it. So when you were talking there about liminal space and changing all of that, Credit to you and your team and the environment that you created for that that program that I did because that was a huge breakthroughs for myself. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, this liminal space, I want to let you go and, and go and be so you can uh, work on that, that beautiful property of yours and also that better version of yourself. But just before we go... Where is the best place for people to find out about these amazing opportunities that you have right now when you're online and also when things go back to, let's not say normal, I want to say go back to the different but better future. Great. Um, yes, I go forward to or go up to, but yes, absolutely. We, what, that should be the aim is to create a better future. So best place for us people to find out, a couple of, couple of things. One is through our website, rightsofpassageinstitute.org, spelled R-I-T-E-S, rightsofpassageinstitute.org. And also we have a Facebook group, the Rights of Passage Community Group. Rights, once again, spelled R-I-T-E-S. And we're really aiming to build a large community and then to provide as much information as we can to that community of resources and programs that are going on. You know, we have our Parents and Children Growing Together e-course, which we've launched during this time for parents and children to do at home. That's been really, really well uh, received and hugely successful. And our first module is free. If anybody wants to check it out, rightsofpassageinstitute.org and get the first module free. And uh, I also uh, am really looking forward to being able to run our leadership training, our Rights of Passage leadership training, which is the one that you attended and have spoken so wonderfully about. Thank you. And I run those. It's a three-day program. And at this stage, it looks like we'll have our next one in September up here in Byron Bay. So I really hope that we'll get... Lots of people on that, and I'm super excited to be able to be teaching in person again and hoping that by September we'll be able to do that. Absolutely. And then, of course, we have our father-son. We have our father-son programs, our mother-son programs, our junior programs, all on our website. Yeah, I'll link all of that in the show notes too, and I highly recommend everyone listening to, to go and check it out. Be a part of that Facebook community. Everything that you've spoken about in here, it's obviously accessible to, to everyone there. So, Mate, once again, thank you for your time. I'm just going to say, Anna, you're a legend. Your genuine connection to your purpose and your humble approach to execute and live it is infectious, inspiring, and deeply impactful. Keep shining your rite of passage light to the world, my man. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Brett, and that's definitely the plan. (laughs) Boom. This challenge is your opportunity for growth. Let's not judge ourselves when we're actually not thriving in these challenging times and embrace and accept the tough, shit-challenging aspects of life right now. And let's do the work to grow from them so on the other side of this 
gift of a rite of passage, we are taking the better, different version of ourselves and living more in alignment in our so-called new lives. If you're a parent, I'd highly recommend you jump onto Anna's online communities and begin immersing yourself into the abundance of value that he has to offer. If you're not a parent, I'd highly recommend you jump onto Anna's online communities and begin immersing yourself into the abundance of value he has to offer. Yes, it's for everyone. Rightsofpassageinstitute.org. And the Facebook group is called at the Rights of Passage Institute. Utilize this second stage of the Rites of Passage that you're going through right now, your transformation stage, to prepare yourself for the third stage of moving back into society and being the change you want to see in the world. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.